Today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and businesswomen, especially those of us building our businesses from home, are just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done. We're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And I'm excited about bringing today's guests on because it's a husband and wife team, and I love that. Greg and Beth Langston, for the last 20 years, have empowered students to master their self-discovery and allowing them to successfully activate their life's purpose. Beth graduated from Purdue University in education, and she's guided hundreds of high school students worldwide to navigate the dreaded college application essay process with tremendous success. Greg also graduated from Purdue's Grant School of Business, and he pursued an international business career, which allowed him to mentor hundreds of young professionals while leading businesses over a billion dollars and working in 65 countries. By the time their kids were 13, they had been to 12 schools and lived in five countries. I think that's so fabulous. So with all that being said, welcome both of you to Word of Mom Radio. Well, thanks, Dory. We're glad to be here. It's our pleasure. We were looking forward to this. Uh, Me too. So your website is collegeflightplan.com. I would love for you to take us on your journey that made you create this. Well, we would be glad to share it with you. Um, In a nutshell, what collegeflightplan.com does is we help students figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are and what they're passionate about and what they're actually naturally gifted to do so that they can choose a a major or a career or uh, a line of work that suits them. And if they do go to college, it will help them graduate in four years instead of the 60% that graduate in six years. So we're here to help families save money too. But we got started with our own kids. As you said, you know, we, they grew up overseas. And when our son was 13, yes, he had been to 12 schools in five countries. It was great. We had the best time learning foreign language, appreciating other cultures. Like when we lived in um, Singapore, there were 76 nationalities in the Singapore American School, K through 12. So it was like a little United Nations. It was, it was wonderful. We, we enjoyed it a lot. But as an educator, I was involved in their education in different countries and making sure it was working for them. Sometimes we had homeschool, and sometimes we had a, a school for other children in our home, and sometimes they went to the local schools, like in Mexico, they were the only English speakers in their whole school besides another Canadian little guy. And so they would come home in the afternoon and for two to four hours, we would have the Spanish English dictionary in one hand and their homework in the other. And we would, 
plow through it and get it done. I didn't speak Spanish. Greg speaks beautiful Spanish. And, but the kids were just learning Spanish. So we did it all together and it was great fun. Kids can, they're so resilient. They can learn a lot more than we often expect that they can. But, really amazing, especially yes. with language acquisition. Yes, we should be teaching our kids foreign language at a young, young age when they're not inhibited. You know, we get older. I had to learn as an adult. Uh, I took German in school. That didn't do me any good in Mexico or, or Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> so, uh, so I had to learn Spanish right along with them. Of course, they pick it up much faster than I did, and they'd correct me. And I always said, okay. You know, you're, you're right, you're right, but you can correct me, but you must do it with respect. <laughs> and they be like, but mom, you said it wrong. <laughs> People don't realize, again, kids pick things up like that. You know, they do. It, it's interesting when you have parents that speak different languages, you can teach. I have friends, one is French, the other speaks English. So one parent only speaks to their kids in French. The other mm -hmm. only speaks to them in English, and those kids are bilingual. They're two and a half, three years old, and it is the most charming thing in the world. I you have it. this little guy come over to you, and he starts saying things to you in French, and it's just so sweet. Oh, but yeah. So I love that your kids had such a varied background. I mean, just yes. for them. Very unique, and we appreciated it. I grew up in Indiana, so I had never even been overseas before. We moved to Brazil when we were 23 years old, but Greg grew up overseas. And so, and he was an international executive doing what his dad did, you know, the third generation expatriate. international expatriate. Mm -hmm. So, and I wanted to see the world, so I was glad to join him and off we went. But, you know, so we were all over the world. And then when our kids were approaching high school years, we thought, gosh, we need to get back to the States to get them ready for that uh, application process to college because we knew that you couldn't wait till senior year to start this. You've got to be preparing, you know, freshman year. But we were very disappointed that we they weren't preparing them early. They weren't helping them find their strengths. Nobody was doing it. The school wasn't doing it. But Greg, as an international executive, was running large corporations and he had been provided with hours of executive training and coaching to equip him with skills and assessments that would improve his performance as a leader and as a team player. And he kept saying, why did I have to wait 20 years to learn this? Why aren't we teaching this to our high schoolers right now? And so with Greg's executive training and my education background, we started creating tools, developing these tools for our kids. They were our guinea pigs, right? right? We didn't break them. We almost did, but we didn't. <laughs> we didn't break them. And that led to workshops with their friends. And we started, you know, just building a community in, in Memphis, Tennessee, back then where we lived. And uh, it, it had great success. We were very excited. And now that COVID is here, we used to do workshops, and now we've put it all online. So hopefully we can reach more teens with what what is a very valuable tool to help them prepare for their future. What would you say would be the top five early actions that parents can take to help prepare their students for that whole college application process? First and foremost is to start early. I mean, we've been on some podcasts. We were being interviewed by a recently graduated college student who said, who was the host of the show, and he said, well, I started to figure this out 
late in my senior year in high school and that left a mark. That was not a good idea. I should have started much earlier. And students need to start early with their grades, capturing all their awards and accomplishments because we had one student who came recently and said that they went to their college advisor and said, hey, listen, can you please tell me the awards that I've won since I've been here at this high school? And the, and the counselor said, listen, I don't have time to do that. I don't know where your, you know, your accomplishments are. You've got to keep track of those yourself. So, so we recommend that parents keep track of it or students in your phone. It's so easy these days. I used to do it on a paper calendar for my kids. I would just write every year. In, or actually, I had a three-year calendar. I'm quite the planner. But, um, so I would write their awards because you think you're going to remember all this. And when it comes time to filling out that application, it's like, well, I think I got that award that year. You know, they can't remember. And how could they? Life is quite busy and it goes by quickly. So writing all that down is key. Start early, keeping the GPA up because you don't want to spend the next three years trying to bring that GPA up that you might have lost in the freshman year. The same thing will be freshman year in college. You want to start out strong. So start out freshman year in high school to prepare with that great GPA, great courses, great accomplishments, and involvement in your community. Second thing you want to do is really seek opportunities for self-discovery to figure out you know, what really makes you unique so that you can figure out what you're passionate about and you can convey that to college admissions advisors and also figure out for yourself what you want to do because it's an interesting statistic that 87% of people 16 to 29 say they have no purpose or meaning, which is really sad. Isn't that sad? And so wow. that's why that gets translated into the fact that 60% of college graduates actually take six years because they're taking, they're changing majors at least three times. And so that translates into dollars and cents for them and their parents in terms of debt because they're going to school for an extra two years. Because they don't know what they want to do. They have no purpose, you know, and kids, here's what kids want to know. They want to know what they can do well, and they want to know where they belong, and they want to know how they can make a difference. That helps them get out of bed and be excited about their day. All of us, we all need that, right? The third thing is to learn how to achieve and set clear goals that are smart, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. And some schools are doing that, but uh, we find that lots of schools don't do that. S setting specific goals and clear goals is a really important thing that, you know, many, many parents don't know how to do that, but uh, we need to have students learn that as well. The fourth one is to develop a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. When we were growing up, you know, you were either born with this intelligence or you weren't. And, you know, with the advent of, you know, people like Carol Dweck, who is a very prolific uh, writer from Stanford, she really coined the phrase of growth mindset and developing positive affirmations. And look at what you can learn. You know, many people say that social media is bad. Not all social media is bad. Look at what you can learn with YouTube. Look at what you can learn with these different tools. You can learn to almost do brain surgery on yourself. Don't recommend it, but, <laughs> but you can do that. And so that's something that we encourage people to learn a growth mindset. And a positive mindset, positive affirmation, positive self-talk. It's very important. Yeah, my favorite word in the English language is yet, in that I haven't learned it yet, but I will. And, you know, I could be with a, a, a senior manager who's running a $5 billion company, and if he asked me a question, and I, obviously if I could answer it, I would answer it. If I didn't, I say, I don't know, but I'll get back. I don't know that yet, but I'll get back to you. And that was always acceptable as long as I went back 
in responded to the question. Now, if you say, I don't know every question, that's another problem. <laughs> but uh, the, the last thing that we suggest that parents can help a student do is to have a student select an accountability partner. Because if you're doing things on your own and you say, you know what, I'm going to run a mile or lose five pounds, and you just tell yourself you're going to do that, the likelihood of success is single digit. If you state to your friends and your and your relatives and everybody in your in your ecosystem that you're going to do that there's going to be a lot more pressure on you to do that and the studies show that 65 percent probability of success but if you have an accountability partner the probability of success is 95 percent so each person who goes through our process they pick an accountability partner who will help them go through the process i love that and you know what, even as an adult, having an accountability partner, having somebody else that is there, I think makes a, a difference for business owners and moms, everybody. I started when, when I was in college, um, my roommate, we both said, okay, we're going to start working out. And there were days when I didn't want to work out, but he did. And he would, you know, get me to work out and vice versa. And we found that that really worked well. And over the period of two to three years, you know, we saw the the benefits of that. And so, you know, that's stuck with me and we've applied it to this program. What do you think are the most important qualities admissions officers look for well, in the college process? That's a great question and I love it. And in the 20 years that I've been helping college-bound students, this, the three things stand out that are the most important qualities they're looking for. First of all, as we said, the academic success, that good GPA, the good standardized test scores when we're allowed to take standardized tests, and then a good quality of curriculum. Those three things get your foot in the door. They give you permission to play. So you have to have those because they have their, you know, averages that they need to, you need to fit somewhere in their range of test scores, GPAs, et cetera. The second thing they're looking for is extracurricular accomplishments. And this doesn't mean a large smattering of just touching on little extracurriculars all during life and never digging deep. Because uh, admissions officers are looking for a well-rounded student body, not necessarily a well-rounded student. They want their student body to be well-rounded, so they're going to pick the students that fit in certain slots there. So there's a miss nomer that, oh, we have to be involved in everything, but they, they're looking for in-depth community projects uh, that you take an interest in, a demonstrated interest in something. And they're also looking for leadership positions, but not necessarily president of the club or captain of the team. Servant leadership is very key, and that can be expressed in a lot of their essays uh, that we do, too. And just that commitment. And the entrepreneurial spirit is also something that they really like, and it's easier to do with the advent of the, of the web and social media and websites. You can, you know, create a, a website and do a bunch of different things uh, much more easily than you could in the past. And so those are things that we encourage. And the third most important thing that uh, admissions officers are looking for are students with self-awareness and a plan for the future. Students that know who they are and where they're going. They know their values, their purpose, their strengths, their natural inclinations, and they have plans and goals to pursue a major that will allow them to thrive, and they can speak about it intelligently. That's what they're looking for, people who know who they are. 
On that note, let that sink in, moms and dads out there. We're going to take a quick break, say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a moment here on Word of Mom Radio. Hi, this is Charlotte Felcher, and welcome to Kid Fun. I'm going to offer a very easy tip for having fun with the kids that comes from my book, Kid Fun, 401 Easy Ideas for Play. Kids love forts. It's very easy to make a fort. Actually, if you have a carton in the house, that's a great fort. They can play in it. They can have a sandwich in it. They can read a book in it. They can bring their stuffed animals in it. But another great way to have a fort is to take a sheet and place it over the kitchen table or the dining room table and then crawl under it. You and the kids, and you can make it a library. Have story time or a cafe and have a sandwich. That's my kid fun tip for today. You can get more information like this in my book, which is available at kidfunandmore.com. She is brave. She is strong. She is you. Because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote. Or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn, network, and build the businesses of their dreams. Because when you win, we win. We all know a survivor. Some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times. Some of us don't make it. Losing a loved one to cancer, a car accident, or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable. But one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide. Too often, our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day. More than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars. But for some, the inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404. Or go to no such thing as a bully.com. Don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice, because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back here on Word of Mom Radio. We are talking with Greg and Beth Langston, and we are talking about their college flight plan for your students. So I have to ask, are there key statistics families should know about college success? Well, uh, yes, there are, and they're kind of daunting. And and so, you know, I'll just share the first one is that there's a perception that everybody graduates in four years, but actually only 40% of college students, college graduates actually graduate in four years. 60% of them graduate in at least six years. And that's because 60% are changing majors at least three times. And when you look at the cost of college, if you're looking at an in-state college, it can be as low as $30,000. If you're looking for an Ivy League school where we sent our son, it's $80,000 a year. And if they go for an extra two years, you know, that can be between, you know, 
50, 60, and $160,000 of extra debt that somebody takes on. And college debt in the United States is currently at $1.7 trillion. And a lot of students go for two years, but because they don't know what they want to do, they end up dropping out because they're not happy in college. They're not doing what they're passionate about. And then they have that debt that they have to repay, so they've got to go find a job doing something they haven't been trained to do yet, you know, oh gosh. So that's why we encourage parents to help the students start early, figure out what they are passionate about, and everybody, you can determine what their passions are. And it's important to do that because of what we said earlier, that 87% don't know what their purpose is. And there's also a misnomer thinking that the counselors are gonna teach that in school because there are 424 students on average to every college advisor in high schools in the United States today, 424. And in California, where we live, there are 900 students per college advisor. And, and they so, recommend about 200 per advisor because they need to have the time to dig into these things. So as a student, you need to be a squeaky wheel with your college advisor to get the answers that you need. You can't assume that they're gonna to come to you and take care of your application and everything that you need to do to get that good foot in the door at that college. I'll give you one more data point, is that only 27% of college graduates today are actually working in a role that they studied in an undergraduate studies. Only 27%. I think that that has always been. And then you, and then you fast forward, that 75% of the people that are in the workforce today don't like what they're doing. I mean, so, you know, this can all be alleviated if you do self-discovery, if you figure out, listen, I'm really good at this, but I suck at this, and I should not be doing this. And let me get feedback from other people that really care about me. Let me let's not just do one off, you know, off the record uh, assessment and make a determination that I should be an architect or a lawyer or a doctor, which is something that we find when we're dealing in certain cultures where the matriarch or the patriarch is very fixed on, you know, our son or our daughter are going to be doctors because we're all doctors, or they're going to be lawyers because we have a long history of being lawyers. But the son or daughter, you know, Emma would be a bad doctor. Um, Emma would possibly be a fantastic architect, but she would be miserable as a doctor and going through the self-discovery provides them with leverage and clarity in being able to communicate that to their parents and their accountability partner. Yeah, it's almost like the kids are transformed when they go through this process of learning about themselves because they have so much more clarity in knowing their values and their strengths and their weaknesses. They have more confidence because they can clearly, they clearly understand and they can articulate who they are and what makes them unique. And that's important when you go to those college interviews or job interviews or writing your essays, you have to be able to express that. And they also feel like they have a sense of control over their lives and their futures because they develop actionable plans and goals. It's really cool. How important is that application essay? And are there do's and don'ts when you're writing them? <laughs> yes, I've written a whole ebook on, on the do's and don'ts, that's part of it anyway, but how to write a compelling essay, because it's not like your English class essay, which a lot of students think it is in the beginning. If you had 10 minutes to sit down with that admissions officer, what would you want them to know about you and who you are? And that's what they're looking for. They want to get to know you and your, what you've been through, what, what challenges you've had, how you've overcome them. I 
talk to my students about being victors, not victims. It, when you're presenting your case, yes, say what the challenge was, and then what have you done to better yourself and pull yourself up from that situation, whatever it is. Everybody has a story to tell, it seems. And it can't be the parent's story yes. that, write, that writes the essay. It has to be the student's essay. Yeah, and you know what? The admissions officers, they only have 8 to 12 minutes per application with each student to look at it and put it in their yay or nay pile. And then if it goes into their yes pile, they still have to go defend that student in front of a group why they want them in. So many times the beginning of that essay is where you can catch them and they'll be like, yes, I'm interested. I want to read the rest of your essay, though I really believe that they don't always read the whole essay. I don't know how they could. A lot of them require supplemental essays, so that's just too much reading to get done in 8 to 12 minutes. And plus, go through the whole application. So uh, we but, have to catch them in the beginning. But let me give an example, or you share the example of the fact of how important the essay is, because you had one Indian, East Indian student who oh. was brilliant, had checked all the boxes in terms of her education and so on and so forth, but what did she do with her oh, essay? Oh my gosh. So by the time they got to me, she was getting rejection letters from universities that she was well qualified to get into. And of course, they can't take everybody. That is true. There are lots of good students that get rejected. But she didn't want any help with her original essay, apparently. So they discovered what I do, how I help them with their essays uh, after the fact, because she was on the wait list. And when you're on a wait list, you have to write yet another essay that says, what have you been doing since you first applied for our university? So I was helping her with that, and I said, could you just show me your original essay, your personal statement that you submitted? And in her first paragraph, there were grammatical errors. And so I know that, you know, she didn't have any help. She didn't have anybody proof it, not even her parents. I don't know if they could have, but get help in that area, please, because I know the admissions officers are so busy, and if they read errors in the first paragraph, they're going to put you in the no pile, chances are. Another point is that if it's a 350-word essay, don't make it a 400-word essay. <laughs> no, cut it off. <laughs> they, will, they will just uh, discard you. And the other thing, too, is if you're going to Ohio State or you have an application for Ohio State and then you decide that you're going to apply to Michigan, you want to make sure that you eradicate uh, the Ohio State reference when you're going to Michigan in the essays. Yeah, some, some essays you can transfer over, but also in the, like, we always called it the Why Penn essay for our son. He went to Penn Wharton School of Business, but he had to write an essay to get in, and it was Why Penn. So you have to research each university. When they ask, why do you want to come to our school? Oh, it's because you're in Connecticut, and it's close to home. And, you know, you have to have dedicated interest. You have to demonstrate a dedicated interest in, in the school by researching the classes that you want to be in and the organizations you want to join and what you're going to do. So that's very important. Plus, one more thing about essays. You can tell she's not very passionate <laughs> love, about this. I right? love these essays. I'm a nerd at heart. But <laughs> the, you have to pay attention to what they're asking you. And I have my students put the prompt at the top of the page Keep going back to that prompt as you're writing your essay because these colleges take great care in how they create these prompts. And many times they just want to know if the student can follow directions and stay on topic and not go in these tangents or not answer the question at all. So I try to keep them focused on task and let's answer that question well.
you know, not for nothing, that translates into business too. It really does. When you've got a manager, a boss, a CEO, whatever, that's asking for specific things, they're actually trying to make sure you can actually follow directions and give them what they ask for, not what you think they want to hear. Right. So, you know, it's a good life lesson you're teaching. So is there a way for students to be able to promote themselves to the college admission teams? Yes. Sorry, jump in on that one too. Do you want to say it? No, no, go ahead. You're on a roll. <laughs> I, I, I just get excited about it because my students, I tell them, you go, you call that admissions office with a well-thought-out question that you may already know the answer to, but call them, let them know you're interested, and they're going to put in your file, oh, you know, Miles called to ask this question. He's very interested. And then think of a couple of other questions. And then also you can request an interview with the universities. You call them and say, is there somebody in my area? Do you have an alum in my in this area where I could speak to them and l- learn more about your university? Those are ways to help promote yourself. And if you're an athlete, get in touch with the coaches. Let them know you're interested. If, you know, coaches don't know which athletes are interested in their schools. So you have to b- promote yourself. You have to be your own squeaky wheel and you have to let them know that you are interested in their universities. And again, translates into real life. My oldest son was waiting tables. He was in his early 20s. And customers that loved him introduced him to this very upscale restaurant. So he went in for the interview, and they were like, well, we're not hiring, but, you know, thanks for coming in. He sent them a letter saying, thank you very much for taking the time. I understand that you don't have an opening right now, but... I would love to see if I could be of benefit and of service to your restaurant and da 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 da. A week later, they called him and hired him. I love it. I love it, which reminds me of a story. Uh, Our daughter-in-law, Eleanor, is a great example of if you get on a wait list, that that means you have the qualities to get into the school. You qualify, but they just have other people in front of you and they're waiting to see. So she drove 12 hours to UNC from Memphis sat in the admissions office until somebody could see her. She went in and told who she was, what she's about, what her goals are, and why they would benefit from letting her into their school. And sure enough, a week later, the acceptance letter came. You know what? It really is. It's a great thing because I think that it shows initiative. Yeah. And when you are looking between one or another, you are going to look for that person that has that initiative to take it to the next level. Yes. I'm going to turn the tables. What do you do? What do you suggest for parents that just have that unmotivated student? Well, we find in many cases, well, I'll say in some cases we have certain kids that are highly motivated. They come into the program and they're just eating it up. Um, There are some students that are like, oh my gosh, dad or mom, you just put me in one more program. My hair's on fire already. I've got too many things to do. I'm in three sports. What are you doing having me go through this? But what they find is, number one, they're not going to be getting one-hour lectures. All the videos are in two- to three-minute microbytes. And so they say, oh, it's only three minutes. I can, I can look at three minutes. And then what we begin to do is peel back the onion where we find out, what have you accomplished so far in your life? And it's all story about them. And they begin to get up to 200 data points of things that they do really, really well. From other people. From other people, from eight trusted advisors. And they're like, 
hey, this really is all about me, and it's not what I'm doing wrong, but it's what I do well. But it's also saying these are some areas that, that this is how you add value, and here are some things that you might want to consider. And so what happens is when the student finds that it's really of interest to them, and it's all really about them, then the, the switch in their brain you know, changes, and they're like, hey, you know what? I'm getting clarity, I'm getting confidence, and I'm going to get a sense of control. And they're also touching base with their accountability partner. And, uh, you know, it feeds on itself. We purposely layered the information based upon how we both learn these things. You don't want to put the end before the beginning. You could do it in each sequential step so that they take it in little bite-sized pieces. And we have not found any student who has not been totally jazzed by the end of the process. Yeah, and at the end, they present to their parents, which is wonderful. That's where you see that great transformation. And the parents, oh, my gosh, sometimes they're in tears. They're like, I've known you for 16 years, and I didn't know you had these goals. I didn't know those were your values, and that is so great. You don't want to be a doctor? That's okay. It looks like you're going to be a great teacher, you know, or whatever they choose to be by then. So it takes the stress away of going to that next step and choosing, are you going to go to college? Are you going to take that year off? Are you going to go to another uh, profession that you love? And the, the pressure from parents pushing them in a direction is eased. What a great way to end this conversation. It really is. So what do you want to leave our listeners with? And I know you have a gift for them as well. We do. Um, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to share what we call the six high potential essentials. And, uh, and what they are are the things that we teach our students that uh, you should, number one, live by your values, determine what they are. Number two, do what you say you will do. Arrive on time. Finish what you start. Say please, thank you, and you're welcome. And number six, be willing to apologize when you're wrong. And just think about that. Think if every family, every business, every department were to do those six things on a regular basis, how much better off we'd all be. And so as far as getting in touch with us, you can reach us at collegeflightplan.com. We have a special gift for your, your network, your tribe, if you will. It's called collegeflightplan.com guide. And you can also reach Beth by Beth at collegeflightplan.com or Greg at collegeflightplan.com. And our number is on the site, too. Give us a call. If you have any questions, we are here to help. Awesome. I thank you so much. You've given us such great information for parents to be thinking about. And it's hard because as parents, you want to give your kids everything. And it's important for them to realize that they are also part of this process. Yes. They really are. It is their responsibilities. They make that choice to be that straight A student or to not care about their studies. You know, and, and as parents, we can only do so much. So I think that kids are more and more motivated now more than ever because there are so many opportunities out there for them. Absolutely. So I love what you're sharing. I really do. And so all of Beth and Greg's links are going to be live on our show page and their top five early actions that lead to college success is going to be in that flight plan guide that we are going to have the link to as well. So take advantage of what they are sharing, please. And for all of you tuning in, thanks so much for being here with us today. We're going to close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. And for all of you tuning in, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you.
She is sure. She is 